Hi everyone, Krista here. Just a note to say that this will be our last episode of 2023, and we'll be back with a brand new episode on January 10th. Welcome to the Heart Ventures Podcast. I'm Dee Dee Morris. And I'm Krista McNally, and we're here to remind you about the importance of prioritizing adventure, whether near or far, in your day-to-day life. So, whether you're a seasoned traveler or someone who enjoys their wine with the side of wanderlust, you're in the right place. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey, Sheena. How's it going? Man, long time no see. I know. I know. Have you and Didi met before? Yeah, I had dinner at uh, dinner at your house, right? Oh, you had- oh yeah, right. You did. Oh, yeah. 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 One bajillion years ago in the before. <laughs> yeah, that was forever ago. Yeah. 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 It was the dinner that you guys hosted where Jolene did the breath work. Um, yes, that's right. Oh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. That was my first time doing breath work. And I, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> did, yeah. did you do it again after that? I've done it one more time. I don't know if it's like, I mean, it's supposed to be an extremely intense experience, but I almost feel like I'm also like, must be like really sensitive to it because I like immediately get the like rigor mortis and like the whole thing. Like I go like into it, I feel like intensely very quickly, which is kind of cool, but also like freaks me out a bit. (laughs) But I did it once um, a while later with Megan Martin. She was doing Mm -hmm. a workshop at um, at like the art studios here in Dartmouth. And I went to that and had like a, a really good, really intense experience and a, a very big release, which was kind of like, it was during sort of one of the like low vibe people, not yet low vibe, low COVID periods in like the COVID craziness. And yeah. I, they were hosting these things for like a window of time. And anyway, it was, it was, it was big. <laughs> it was a heavy thing. And I haven't done it since, yeah. not because I'm like of any kind of way about it, but I just, um, just haven't yet gone back Mm -hmm. for sure and then I love explaining to people who may be listening that how how we know each other and Mm. so I feel like you and I go literally 12 13 years back of I I knew you from the farmer's market with your made with local bars yeah yeah we started the farmer's market back in 2012 so you're on the timeline there 11 years yeah yeah and and look at you now knowing you and seeing you back at the farmer's market in 2012, if that's when you started. And now I go to Costco and I see you on the shelves there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what has this girl done? So cool. It's really crazy. And honestly, a lot of it, 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 it feels surreal for me too. Like I, you know, I've obviously been in the thick of this business since day one and um, have been driving the progress largely, but it still feels really like it's a bit of an out of body experience too. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like we started at a little five foot table at the seaport and Alderney markets. Like how the hell did this happen? Um, But you know, ultimately it's driven by having a really good product. Um, People really love what we make and, and having like a deeper, you know, a deeper mission and a deeper connection to community than um, you know, your average snack foods brand. So yeah, we we hit on something pretty special in the beginning and that's kind of fueled us. Right. Cause yeah. and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you would like, do you consider yourself a social enterprise in the way that you employ, or maybe you can explain like how that works? 
Sure. Yeah. So our models actually shifted over the years to help us continue to grow. Honestly, it's been um, a constant growth journey since the early days of the farmer's market when you and I first met Krista. And, you know, then I was making the bars myself, uh, myself, and my co-founder in the earliest days would make them at the, if anybody remembers when the 2F by C cafe and had a Halifax location. So they had one yes. on the water. And Tara, um, the owner, she's a friend of mine. And she's like, you know what? Nobody's there after like five o'clock. Why don't you go in and use the kitchen? So we used to make our bars to if I see in Halifax, which is like the most inconvenient place to try and get to with like bags of oats and buckets of honey. And like, you know, she charged us $200 a month to rent that kitchen. I love Tara. She's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. She's she's so great she was so generous and we just went in and, you know, tried to figure out what it looks like to make food for other people. Cause like, you know, I didn't have a background in food manufacturing. So that was the earliest days. And then I became pregnant with my daughter, Ruthie, who's now like nine. Um, and it was at that time when I was pregnant with her, that I'm like, all right, we got to find another solution to making these things. So that's when we transitioned to that social enterprise model, Krista, that you mentioned, where we partnered with a bakery here in Nova Scotia that employs adults with barriers to the mainstream workforce. And we scaled that relationship from 2014 and 2022. We worked with them and every single bar that was made in Nova Scotia was made under their roof. So that was a, a really Amazing. cool, like, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, like the journey that we grew yeah. in partnership with them. And then in 2022, we actually bought our own manufacturing facility. So now all of our bars are made in house um, out of a gorgeous little bakery in Windsor. Holy that's so shit. Cool. <laughs> so there, uh, what's the bakery in Windsor? What's that one called? I think I went there. It used to be called Yum Bakery. It's on Cedar Street, right yes. in downtown Windsor. And they also there the, the family who owned that for like thirty years are the um the the gun gun. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking now. Uh, I'm gonna butcher their last name, so I'm not even gonna say it. Um, Dave and Connie, couple, and they uh, ran this little bakery slash nut butter factory out of this building that before they bought it was like a furniture warehouse um, right in the middle oh. of like town Windsor and they ran that great little community business for many years and then they decided they were going to retire and we purchased the building from them and proceeded to completely gut it and then built out you know I, I call it a bakery my our COO gets he, he laughs when I call it a bakery because he's like Sheena it's a food manufacturing facility with global safety programs and I'm like I know but like the story that makes me feel a good way is that it's a bakery. <laughs> it's a, it's a factory. Um, and, yeah. but we have a, a 10 person team down there, all of whom are like Nova Scotian folks from all across, um, like the Windsor and, and Annapolis Valley area. And they're crushing it. We've like the best team ever. And they're now doing all, all of the, all of our bars are now made uh, back here in Nova Scotia. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Good for Very you. Cool. Thank and you. Sh- shout out to Windsor because, like, you know, between you guys and the August House, shout out to, shout out to mm-hmm. Colette and Laura and mm-hmm. Lucas Art Jewelry. Yeah. Shout out to Emily. Like, there's some cool things happening in Windsor. I really there feel are some cool things happening. I totally agree. And I so backstory on us buying a building was that we knew we needed to do it because the the social enterprise bakery that we had partnered with for all those years just kind of essentially said like we can't make any more bars for you. Like not, not, not ever, but like, this is our monthly cap. 
And, you know, our business was growing and we had people wanting to buy more and more and more and customers coming to us saying they wanted to bring our stuff on. And like they they had a pretty hard cap, which is completely understandable, um, you know, given the constraints of, you know, the size of their building and all those things. So we had sniffed around at properties to either rent or buy for, you know, probably a year and kept ending up, of course, in like. Burnside and like these Mm -hmm. shitty ass business parks that just feel so soul sucking. And I walk into these big concrete box buildings and mean like, I can't like, this is not made with local. Like this is not like, we can't do this here. This is not, I know that this is where like manufacturing happens. I understand, but I just, I can't see it. So that's when Dave and Connie came to us about their little, um, bakery again. Like I keep saying that's like right in the middle of town, but like it literally is in like a residential neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, they just said, yeah, like, have you guys ever thought of buying a building? And I was like, at that immediate moment, like, yes. Like, I think I I actually even over the course of many years, like, you know, five-ish years ago, like, would be like, I wonder if that would ever be somewhere where you could be. So not to say I manifested it, but you know, it was definitely something that I thought about. And then when it happened, it was like an immediate yes. It just clicked Mm -hmm. the right move for us. Wow. I love that. Windsor is rocking. It's such a great place to be. Yeah. And like, talk about an adventure, just your business (laughs) and this growth. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. We have the most amazing team. I can take some credit, but it's, it's truly a team effort. All good things are, you know, they always end up being a team effort. Mm -hmm. You need more than one brain at, at things that are going to really succeed. A hundred percent. And my brain is, you know, um, I'm a big picture, creative, you know, sort of squirrely in nature, you know, um, but I'm not an operator. I've never ever claimed to be. Um, and that's why, yeah, having like our operations team and our quality assurance team and people who work on that side of the business be like really geeky about how amazing they are at those things. It's just like that shared, you know, whatever vertical you're in and made with local, that you're, that's, you know, yes. you're in the right home and all of that comes together to be something really special. Yeah. I love that. It's like the concept of yeah, being in so your cool. zone of genius. Mm-hmm. And staying in that lane. Mm-hmm. Okay, so part of this podcast is like wanting to get to know the person like behind the brand or behind the whatever. So the our avenue to do that is to ask you about like the adventures in your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if we can kick it off and hear from you. Like, what are some of your early childhood memories of adventure? Mm, I love this. I... So I grew up as a farm kid in rural PEI. I'm from a community called Fort Augustus, which like nobody should know where that is because <laughs> there's nothing there <laughs> except for farms, potato farms and fields and like a church, the baseball field. Um, so yeah, I grew up like honestly, like a super free range kid. My mom's one of 13. So I have like a huge family in PEI and all my cousins all live close by. And we, there was just like packs of like my cousin cousins like fairly roaming around (laughs) the farm um you know building forts in the woods and like building booby traps to like catch the cows and like honestly like hauling the seats out of like abandoned cars in the backfield and like building them into like just feral behavior um (laughs) but it was so fun right like it was we had like hundreds of acres and you know, the, the cousins were in like enough of an age range that like there was always some like slightly older cousins who were like a little bit more responsible. But, the you know, we were just 
kind of out doing our thing, you know, playing in the hayloft with like the new little batches of kittens that would arrive a few times a summer. And yeah, just, you know, completely unsupervised out in in the farmland and just, you know, popping in for supper, like literally when you like either heard the coyotes or saw the sun going down, it was like, okay, it's time to go home and have dinner. Um, and all, you know, us all lived really close together, like within, you know, a quick bike yeah. ride distance. So <laughs> my, I feel like I had a super idyllic childhood and also like that family, we were like pretty poor um, and like didn't have very many amenities at all. So it was like, not that there was, you know, any near the technology in the early nineties as there was as now to even compare, but yeah, it was just like really simple. I kind of say that I feel like I grew up more in like the forties or fifties than Mm. in like the eighties and (laughs) nineties. Yeah. Yeah. One thing and Didi, I don't know if you've noticed this trend that I feel like so many of the women we speak to, we have this commonality of biking. Oh yeah. Mm. And it, yeah, it, it did, like, it just was such freedom to run around on your bike and, yeah, explore, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah, little friends and I, like, probably in, like, you know, probably 9, 10, 11 years old would just, like, rip around these, like, rural back roads on our bikes and just being gone for, like, the whole day. You know, I was asked my yeah. mom recently, I'm like, were you worried? She's like, oh, yeah, I would totally worry about you, but, like, I wasn't going to keep you home. And then you had obviously yeah. no way to get a hold of anybody. So it's kind of like, it's like, I knew if something happened, you guys would figure out a way to get a whole, like call home kind of thing. Yeah. So it's or a different, someone would uh, come running home to get the adults and, and go back. So. Yeah. 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 Somebody, somebody would be that kid. <laughs> yeah. I grew up on a farm too. And it was the same. We just roamed around everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Do kids these days bike around like we used to? So I somewhat reluctantly live in like the quasi burbs now. Um, <laughs> I would say quite reluctantly live in the burbs now. I grew, I live in Dartmouth now where my husband grew up and my kids live on, we live on a cul-de-sac and there's tons of kids around and they, you know, meet, while they're not like fairly in the backwoods of a farm, they're fairly roaming around our neighborhood. Like, okay. Every once in a while, we get like a quick text from some other mom or dad in the chat group chat being like, they're over here now. And then like an hour later, okay, they're over here now. We kind of like keep like a general eye on them, but they're, they're not biking, but they're out and about in my neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Ours don't bike so much because the highway is super dangerous, but um, they, I mean, we go for bike rides with them a lot, but they're definitely like in between our house and our neighbor's house constantly and every once in a while I'll be like are the kids at your place I don't know where they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just yeah. checking they're at your house right because they're not here yeah, yeah. yeah. I and it's well. I love it it's just like I feel like that to me is childhood of like being able to just run between your place and your friend's place or your cousin's mm-hmm. place or in my case it was mm-hmm. between me and my grandparents place and where all mm. of my cousins always hung out. So yeah, that was the exact same for me. DD is like my grandparents farm was the epicenter. And oh, so what they yeah. would do every time they like, every time one of my mom's siblings got married, they were given a parcel of land that was like, you know, oh, in the general vicinity yeah. of yep. the homestead. Right. But yep. some of them are a little further away from the homestead than, than, than like right on the plot, like the main plot of land. But we all end up in the same general area. 
And that was totally like, that's the same for me. It was like the, the firm was, was ground zero. And that's where all the kids kind of, con, you know, convened, um, where now, you know, I, I joke, I reluctantly live in the suburbs, but I, I deeply dream of hopefully sooner rather than later ending up, um, in a rural area. And, but then I know that like my kids wouldn't have that same experience that I had, you know, I'm like thinking about my rural upbringing and my farm upbringing, but like, we live in the country and they would actually probably have less of that, like roaming around, you know, who knows yeah. where you are kind of time, um, without like the family compound. Right. Cause yes. that's basically what I grew up in. So I need to check that every once in a while. <laughs> and what a beautiful thing for the grandparents too. If like their house was the epicenter, like mm-hmm. that'd be yeah. awesome. It was busy for sure. <laughs> Okay. So then how did you end up from rural PEI uh, to Halifax? Yeah. So a different type of adventure for me. Um, I am one of the first in that whole big family to ever go to post-secondary education. Um, I have been really passionate about sustainability and, um, you know, environmental justice, environmental science from a very young age. Um, of course, like that was um, something that was imprinted on me as a kid um, in my upbringing and knew that I wanted to follow that career path. And so I did one year at UPEI and it kind of just felt like grade 13 sort of, you know, it's like all the kids, like my high school was right across the street from UPEI. So it was like, didn't really feel any different. And I don't know. I just had this like yearning to fly the coop. I just knew that I wanted to go do something else, even though none of my friends went to university off Island. None of my family ever had, like, I was literally just like, no, I want to do this. I'm going to go. Um, and I can't tell you why, because I had every reason to stay. I had a boyfriend and I had lots of friends that I was very close to and my whole family. Like I just, but I just knew that I needed to leave or wanted to leave. So I applied to St. FX and I played to Dow. St. FX wouldn't take me, which now I think is like such a godsend because I probably would have died. I probably would have not survived going to St. FX. Um, so I think it, it, as heart crushing as that was in the moment, I'm actually glad that I didn't get in. Uh, and so I ended up at Dow and uh, took a degree in environmental science with a focus in ecology there and figured, you know, through that degree that I would end up in a career ideally in like field work is what my real dream was. Um, but I ended up getting a job straight at a university for the city of Halifax and working for the municipality in their like waste resource program. Uh, I was an educator. So I essentially, you know, um, taught people how to recycle and compost at like schools and condo buildings and businesses and stuff, which is a super weird job, but it was, a really good job to land straight out of university. So it's like a bit of a, a bit of a weird path. <laughs> okay. So that I, I didn't know this about you. I was on like a slightly similar path, like environmental, I did environmental studies in university. And then my mm-hmm. first job out of university was at Halifax water. Oh, no um, way. Yeah. Except I was collecting wastewater samples. Oh <laughs> is the same and water samples but yeah yeah that's funny I was digging through dumpsters and you were scooping poop there we go <laughs> wow so romantic did you have to get, did you have to when you started that job because I started that job and they're like okay so we're gonna send you for your hep shots and I'm like why and they're like well we're garbage and I was like oh okay oh so. my god I, I don't remember that but man like literally it should have because they're like you literally 
I might have to cut this out, but like you see like fecal matter in the water. It's disgusting. Oh, gross. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not cool. I saw some terrible stuff digging through like apartment building garbage cans. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Did you ever come across bodies, though? Because I feel like I came across across bodies. Somebody threw out a dead cat. That was a tough one. Oh, Oh, gross. Yeah. What a sin, right? It could have been some old lady. Who knows, right? You never know what somebody's yeah. story is. One thing, like when you're digging through people's like literal waste, like trash, because we used to do waste audits like um, mm-hmm. semi regularly, and it was yeah, it was not cool. And you come across stuff that you're like, okay, well, <laughs> is that still yeah. a role today? I yeah yeah, it's called waste resource education officer. I don't know how much of the mandate in that role now is still doing waste audits. Um, We would do it not to obviously like, you know, um, and we never knew who it was coming from. We know what the building it was coming from, but we obviously you don't like know what unit or anything, but it would be something that we would do to assess, you know, the success of a recycling and composting program in a building. So we would take garbage bags, we would sort them into actual garbage, recycling and compost, and then figure out how much of what is going into the garbage bag in that building typically should be diverted into the other streams. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was to collect stats. Oh. statistics yeah yeah oh my yeah and God. So, you know, so like on average you know 50 or 60 wow. or 70 percent of what is in the average Halifax um apartment buildings garbage bags should be diverted to recycling or compost and then what can we do about that anyway so that was it, what I would say that was probably like 20 percent of the role I was mostly doing lots of other stuff but the uh, yeah we had like regular periods where the whole team there was like four or five of us would have to go out and like run waste audit like campaigns so (laughs) yeah Yeah, like the educational piece like that sounds awesome going into schools and educating yeah 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 (laughs) anyway so I ended up getting quite uh I would say bored of that job over time there was definitely some boredom it sounds wild but it was mostly it was mostly not digging through people's garbage um but yeah it just it ended up not being as some like I you know you come out Christy you know if you did this in school like you come out of university wanting to like change the world right you're super fired up you're a passionate young environmentalist mm-hmm. you're ready to fuck shit up and then you get into a government job and you're kind of like oh actually I have no sway here like I have no impact I'm not going to change anything it's super yeah. duper status quo I mean, I did probably have maybe more impact in my role maybe than the average municipal employee because I was literally educating the public so I could like really talk to people. But there was even like certain educational tools that I wanted to use in my like presentations and stuff that got kiboshed because they were like too edgy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I kind of got quashed down in that and was like, okay, well, if I'm just going to, you know like hit hit the you know baseline expectations in this job which wasn't hard to do I had lots of excess brain capacity to be creative and do something else on the side so that's kind of where Made with Local was born so cool I used to work at a really boring job Mm -hmm. as well like a very monotonous job and the ideas that I would come up with to like for like creative ideas that I would come up with while I was doing this job Mm -hmm. because it was a mind-numbing job but it allowed my mind to like roam free and think of all the things that I could do <laughs> if I wasn't working at this job. So true, right? It was amazing. I would have like notebooks 
full of ideas. (laughs) It's so true. Boredom is so important to creativity. And I know there's like a million more like astute quotes about that than I'm sitting up with, but like, it really is. My kids are like, I'm bored. I'm like, good, go figure (laughs) it out. Like, go make art, go make music, go outside. I don't care. Like I actually am like stoked when they're like, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. I'm like, great. This is where you're supposed to be right now. (laughs) Stop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Sheena, do you have an adventure or travel experience that has happened in your life that you feel like completely shifted you? I did uh, go on a big old solo Euro trip right out of university. I um, planned this trip in my like last semester of university and partially I think used it as a bit of like an escape plan to get out of a relationship that I was in at the time where I physically felt like I needed to like leave the continent to get away from. (laughs) Um, But also because it's always been something that I really wanted to do. So I bought a one-way ticket to Dublin and went and um, set down roots in Ireland for a few months and traveled from, I, I, I ended up living in Galway and then just ended up doing like weekend trips via those, you know, Ryanair's and the cheapy airlines kind of all across Western Europe. Um, and I went by myself and I'd never traveled outside of Canada before at that point, but just, I don't know. It was like another one of those things where I just like, I was like, I, kn- I just know that I have to do this. And I didn't have any like role model for it or anybody else who was trying to pull me along to go or anything. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And it was, you know, pre Airbnb pre like having a map on your phone. It was like printing out map quest sheets and like booking into hostels and like doing it, you know, so analog compared to how things are now. It was 2009. Yeah. And yeah, just spent a few months over there. Just really, I don't know. I think it was just a really beautiful way to cap off my like educational journey and, and, and that chapter in your life a bit when you're like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm a grown up now. You know, there's like a bit yeah. of a coming of age moment in that, like, I would have been 23 um, and just knew, yeah, that it was time to take on a next, the next big chapter. So I went on that trip and tried really hard to stay for longer than I ended up getting to stay because, um, everybody knows there was a massive like economic collapse in 2008, which made it hard to find a job um, yeah. going into, cause I bartended and, and served for like most of my like teenage and, and 20s, um, early twenties. And so I was like going over there. I'm like, I got tons of experience. I can like work anywhere in the service industry. And there were like these pub owners in Galway that are like, I can't even afford to hire my own kids. Get out of here. Like no, there's yeah. no jobs kind of thing. So I ended up just like living so frugally I remember like backpacking with my like literal kit bag and like a loaf of whole wheat bread and a jar of peanut butter and a like plastic knife and that was just like how life was for me for I was like so stoked because obviously I was saving my money for like beer (laughs) and like (laughs) I can live off peanut butter sandwiches because I got like three more trips like to go on out of here I was going to Prague with another friend for a weekend and then was in and out of Scotland um, to meet other friends. So yeah, it was just a really incredible adventure. And I think growing up in a small place, like I did growing up in Prince Edward Island and in a rural part of the island at that, like, it's so easy just to feel like the world is very, very small. Um, and I just kind of like refused to let that consume me as a young person and felt very driven to be like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to see what lies beyond the 
four corners of PEI because it's, you know, I, I'd seen at that point, you know, so many of my closest friends and family and everything just kind of settle in, which is totally okay. And I don't want to pass any judgment on that at all because like absolutely to each their own. I think that's a perfectly good path too. I just knew it wasn't going to be for me. Yeah. What drew you to Ireland? So I'm like, I'm from a place in PEI that's like super Irish Catholic. Like my, I grew okay. up on the Mulligan Road. Like my family as far back as like literally can like trace their lineage to like the potato famine boats that came over like in the late 1700s or whatever. Uh -huh. um, so very strong family ties there. And yeah, I mean, it being a maritimer as well, it's kind of like, it feels like it's different, but it's pretty much the same. So it's such like a safe, I felt very safe there and I felt very familiar there. Um, and I like was able to go on trips like around the island, around, around Ireland uh, to the Aran Islands. And then I went up to Northern Ireland and was able to find like a lot of really interesting um, genealogical history about like ancestors of mine and see family cemeteries and all this ah. cool stuff. I actually had an experience that I'll never forget. I was, I decided to take um, a little ferry from Galway to the Aran Islands, which is uh, three little islands off the West coast of Galway. And it was getting close to the end of my trip, but I just knew I wanted to go. There was these really cool like Druid castles and like, it was just an incredible, very like wild. And there's only a few hundred people that live across all three islands and, and like wild ponies and just idyllic sort of, you know, wild Ireland. And I went and got off this little ferry and like just hoofed around the island, rented a bike and, and, and toured around and then found myself um, along a little like seawall on the coastline and like just set my bike down and went and sat and I like I can't really describe it and I can't do it justice but it really did feel like the most intense full body experience of like belonging that I've ever felt like and I can't I can't I'm actually going to tear up talking about it I haven't talked about this forever I can't really explain what it was but it was just this like deep feeling of like your home and like feeling very connected and so at peace. And it came out of nowhere. Like I wasn't in meditation or anything. I just sat down and it just like consumed me. Um, yeah. And I just sat in that for a while and I was like, okay, wow. What do I do with this? <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, let it, let it, let it hang out with me. And I just, yeah, it was a really, really special moment. So that felt very like affirming for me that that trip, and all of the lumps and bumps and everything and like the roots that I took and the people that I met, it all felt like very, it all kind of came together in that moment of being like, okay, you know, you're here for a reason. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. It's really cool. So now of course I'm like, I need to bring my mom back here. And like, yeah. I've, I'm always <laughs> that experience. You want to like share it with other people. Cause you're like, you're never going to believe yeah. like what happened to me. And of course it probably wouldn't happen again because that's not how the world works. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I felt this like immediate, um, yeah, feeling of really wanting to like share, share that with people I love the most too. So it was a very cool, very cool experience. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Uh, so speaking of sharing experiences, how do you kind of like take this wisdom of everything you've been through in terms of adventure and pass that on to your, you have two girls, right? I do. Yeah. 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 So I think about this a lot because I am 
deeply scared of how to raise like strong independent women in today's society. <laughs> like how, how am I going to do that? You know, everything in the world is fighting against these little girls just to make them feel, you know, like they're not good enough and they're not strong enough and they're not this and that enough. And I mean, we did that, we went through it too, but now the, the volume of that messaging is just like jacked yeah. up to a thousand on social media and everything. So I'm like absolutely bonkers about like being very strict about, media consumption period in my house which is probably kind of ironic given that I'm like on TikTok every day but that's actually why it's because I like I spend so much time in in social media culture myself for my business that it scares me in the context of my kids so I think about that a lot how do I raise you know um adventurous and resilient and confident young women um and I I think, you know, I mean, sh like leading by example, of course, yeah. is like probably the best thing we could possibly do are like true, like travel adventures have been snuffed a bit um, by COVID, you know, a few years ago, but we're yeah. starting to move around a bit more now. And like, you know, my, my youngest daughter, um, I have two, uh, my little one, she's four. So she was born April of 2019. And like, she was on an airplane more in her first year of life than I was like until I was probably 30. <laughs> like I just took her everywhere yeah. with me because I was working still. And I was like, all right, you're zipping around with me to all these places. Um, so she's, you know, they've, they've got some of that under their belt, but we try and, you know, make sure that we're out in nature as much as possible. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm really strict on screen time because I love making my kids feel like they have to find their own adventure and find their own fun. And I'm not just going to let them yeah. default, you know, don't get me wrong. Like we have pizza movie nights and we're like, you know, they're using screen time and fits and spurts, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really conscious of, you know, the slippery slope that can happen if, uh, if it just becomes a, like, a, you know, a constant um, expectation of the kids being yes. able to just, whenever like I, I I would just see that happen with my girls too like the more you get it the more they want it and it's just like okay no yeah. no no, no. Yeah, it, it, correct here they very easily get addicted to it mm -hmm. which I get yeah. like I'm addicted too a... I'm like yeah. I'm addicted oh, yeah to for sure fully awesome. addicted yeah yeah so it's easy to do I read like this thing them. on on Instagram of all places um <laughs> it was it was like a um just like a real or a, like something from a psychologist talking about how um sc with screen time with kids and how we can just say no because we can just say no as the parents that's it's our right as a parent to just say no and there doesn't have to be a reason behind us saying no we just get the privilege of saying no <laughs> mm -hmm. that's right yeah and Literally. like and the kids can yeah, kick and so. scream yeah. <laughs> they can kick and scream and they can yell that it's not fair and all of that. But really it, it, none of that matters because we're the parents and, and we can say no. Yeah. <laughs> and that just like hit me. I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Is this where that sentence, you know, like where the kids are like, why? And the parent says, because I said so. 100%. No, yeah. it's, it was different than that because I don't, I hate that answer. I hate the answer of because I said so, because my parents would say that to me all the time. Cause I would always say, why, why, if you can't give me a good reason, I'm doing it anyways. Like right. I'm sure my mom hated me, um, <laughs> not hated me, but you know what I mean? And all of is the exact same. Why, why can't I? And then she'll just be like, well, too bad. I'm going to do it anyways, but not with screen time with screen time. They know like 
they always have to ask and they always do ask. Like there's never, we never have an issue with them kind of trying to like take their iPads and secretly go and do whatever, like just be on them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like, I don't know. For some reason that just really struck me and I was just like, okay, yeah, I can actually set the rules around this and I can, and I can simply just say, no, they're, I don't have to explain myself to them. Mm-hmm. I yeah. actually... <laughs> book right now that I am really enjoying because I am acutely aware of my social media addiction. And people, when I say that they're like, Oh, but it's part of your job. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I could probably do my job part of social media in like an hour a day, but I'm on social media for like three or four hours a day, which is completely unacceptable and like not even yeah. remotely necessary. So I just, you know, I have been trying to figure out ways to, you know, get myself to be convinced that this is like not a sustainable or like the way that I want to spend like my wild and precious life, right? Like staring at a freaking screen. So I've been reading this book um, called 24 six. And it's essentially this concept of like a digital Sabbath where on one day a week, whether it be, you know, a Friday from sundown to Saturday at sundown or Saturday or Sunday or whatever it is, pick your 24 hour period. And the family goes completely tech free and she's done this for years and she has two like now kind of grown daughters who have been participating in this and they just know like as part of their family on their, they're practicing um, Jewish folks. So they do it like in alignment with Sabbath, but they, yeah, they just um, have had this in place since before her kids even had devices. So it's completely normalized. And I'm like, okay, now is the time for me because my kids don't have their own devices now. And now when they see mom and dad, like have Sundays off, with, I won't say like no screens, cause I'm okay with like, you know, them watching a Paw Patrol or something like that, but yeah. I don't know, like I'm completely phone free. Um, the stuff that's really addictive, um, completely yeah. out of touch for one day a week. And I, you know, I've been doing that consistently lately and I can say it's made such a huge difference. Um, and even my, my interest in you know, picking my phone up on a Monday, for example, I'm kind of like, no, I actually, I don't even really miss it at this point. It's helping to kind of break that sort of addictive, like dopamine cycle in your brain, which I feel like I I really need it. So anyway, I'm off track here, but um, highly book. um, And it's something that for me, again, like wanting to lead by example, kind of going back to the beginning of the question there is something I just know is really going to be the best way to try and you know, model for my kiddos that this is how, you know, these are the values and the culture of our family. And, and within that, you know, is, is unplugging and looking to outside adventures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be a a proper podcast episode if I didn't bring up the show notes. So we will link (laughs) that book in the show notes. And, (laughs) and on that note, Sheena, like if you have any pictures of like, you know, you and all your cousins or your farm in PEI and, or your trip to Ireland, like we'd love Mm. to throw those in the show notes too. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. One of my favorite little nods to my, my homestead upbringing in PEI is that if you look at every box of made with local bars, it's a tiny little white farmhouse on the front of the box. And that's like my family's farmhouse. It's like a little, that's so cool. It's so cute. Yeah. And even for our like holiday flavors, we put like little Christmas lights on the front of the house that's on like the holiday flavor boxes. <laughs> it's oh so my cute. God. That <laughs> feels so like a Taylor Swift Easter egg thing. Like I love this. Yeah. Yeah. It is <laughs> an Easter egg. It for sure is. <laughs> that's 
so cool. Yeah. So do you have anywhere on your bucket list of where of travel adventures that you'd like to knock off at some point? Oh my gosh. Yes. So many, I feel like, you know, since having kids and then, and then, you know, obviously COVID and all that stuff really put a, put a damper on, on big travel for us as a family. But now that my girls are getting bigger, I am definitely like, okay, I'm starting to fantasize more about big adventures, um, with them. I mean, I was just, I was just in Palm Springs for like a work trip. Um, and I'd never actually been like in the desert before, but I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like it, it's, you know, it's super bougie. I would not probably go back to Palm Springs. It's not really my vibe, but like, you know, doing something, you know, and like Sedona would be like a really cool trip that I think would be fun to go on for a few days. I haven't been there. Um, not that that's overly exotic or anything, but um, just in terms of like landscapes that I would love to immerse myself in, that was one that I hadn't spent time in before. That was really um it's just interesting. It felt really interesting and was, and so different than obviously where we live, but, um, you know, big, huge bucket list for me would obviously be like New Zealand, um, and go and just settle in, do like a big road trip over the course of like weeks or months. Um, I would absolutely love that because what's not to love about, you know, wine and nature and the ocean and just, you know, everything it has to offer. And I just, cause yeah. I, I, I'm somebody who, as I'm sure all your conversations are with people, I kind of like, I don't know, I hate, I hate the feeling of being a tourist. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe growing up in a place that's touristy, like PEI and here, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the tourists on PEI at all, but it's almost kind of like, it makes me feel self-conscious about like being that way somewhere else. Um, so I try and go off the beaten path a bit, you know, like stay in the smaller kind of little offshoot communities and uh, ask the local for restaurant recommendations, not going on like Yelp or whatever. I like to try and just like anchor myself in a space through, through the people who already live there and just kind of follow their lead. That's my, that's my, my jam. But yeah, I mean, there's so many places that I haven't been yet and I would, I just love traveling in general, but those are some of the, the, you know, ones that have been top of mind for me lately. Mm-hmm. Do you have like your next trip planned, whether that be for work or with family? You know what? We don't really have anything planned right now. And that's where, again, like just n- travel has been picking up a bit more on the work side lately. And I feel like it's been leading me to kind of start thinking about what, what the next adventure could look like. I think we have friends in Spain. I, I would love to spend some time um there I think that would probably be like the next like true adventure that we'll be going on we don't have anything locked in the books but um doing Spain I think is probably something we'll do in the next like year or so nice yeah if you have any suggestions I'm all ears listeners and hosts send me your Spain recommendations (laughs) so many suggestions Krista always makes fun of me for my Airbnb uh saved boards for every country in the world amazing (laughs) I love that and and while we actually have this castle on our our heart venture dream board radar radar uh that like it sleeps a whole lot of people it's literally a castle on a hill and it's so reasonably priced so we'll put that in the show notes we'll send that your way and yeah you can check it out okay so Sheena as someone who is running this business you're a mother of two kids all these things, do you slash how do you prioritize adventure in your day-to-day life? Oh my God, Krista. I feel like I know 
Mostly no. If I'm being super honest, I would say mostly no. But as I get further out of like the baby years, because, you know, my little one's four now. So she's like becoming a more like functional little like she's a child now. She's not a toddler or a baby, which makes me extremely sad because I won't have a baby again. But she's, you know, we're, we're collectively as a family becoming more, you know, uh, you know, resilient and agile and like, you know, little kids, like they can, they can be a lot. And even like the worst thing is like planning a, you know, a small or a big adventure with kids. And if they just decide it sucks, then the whole thing fucking sucks. And you're just like, well, there's all that standing gone down the toilet. Um, it's just like mentally preparing for like, okay, we're going to do this thing and it might suck yeah. or it might be great, but you just got to roll the dice and see how it goes. Yeah, so I think exactly. we're, and we're getting, more in the zone of my like parenting journey where it's mostly probably going to be great right out of that sort of who knows how this is going to go era um but honestly like even just in like a baby steps kind of way like we prioritize our family prioritizes trying to like get out for hikes um most weekends and even if it's just like more of a of a walk than a hike um that's something that i just try and do as much as as much as we can and just you know adventure in our own backyard which sounds cheesy but that's oh, that's great our radio right now i think like honestly the if you can adventure in your own backyard it's it that's also then how you adventure when you when you go outside of your own backyard it's it, but it has to start at home totally it's almost like training and i think about that for my little ones like um, like Ruthie, my nine-year-old, like we live close to a little lake in Dartmouth that has like a really nice trail around it and, and a bunch of like, there's a really nice green belt there. And she goes down her and her little friend, that's just like the trails across the street from our house. And they're down there for hours, like yeah. building forts and, you know, just hanging out in the woods, just the two of them. And, you know, again, no devices. I know they're around there somewhere and they're just out there having the yeah. best time. And like that then plants the seeds for, you know, other independence and other adventures. So I think it's just good. I think, again, I kind of keep coming back to this concept of like building resilience and building, um, you know, kids that are excited to adventure. Yeah. Um, and I, it's funny, I was thinking about this before coming on here with, with you guys is like, I was so adventurous in my early twenties and like, like almost like, I wouldn't say dangerously so, but my like mother, me being a mom now, I look back on the stuff that I was like, the, the decisions that I made to go on that trip alone at that time. And I was like, holy shit, like <laughs> I was ballsy and like, you know, um, but I, I'm trying to like almost find that again, you know, cause I, I find myself now, you know, being a mom, being a bit more worrisome, being a bit more not conservative, but you know what I'm saying? Being a bit more like, um, yeah, just like safe and anxious about certain things that I just want to try and almost like live through my kids' eyes a bit more and have them maybe kind of turn the teacher energy back at me and be like, no, 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 let's, let's do some, you know, fun and adventurous things again, because I want to sort of tap back into that energy that I feel like I might have lost a bit in the last decade or so. And I think you hit the nail on the head. So like, it is an energy and an attitude. It's, not mm -hmm. necessarily like spending a bunch of money to travel abroad. It's like, how can you just bring this open heart yeah. and really? and perspective to to the day-to-day -day mundane tasks? It comes up a lot on here, like how going to the grocery store could be an adventure if you allow it to be. It yeah. comes up a lot because that was my adventure when I had my twins. That was like, I need to get out of the house adventure. And that was as far as I could go. 
It's so true. But I, I love that. It's like, it's all, it's really just like a perception. Mm -hmm. It's a perception yeah. of, of what you're about to do. And, and honestly, like I kind of keep going back to kids here, which I don't mean to, um, but I, I, that's where I'm at. Um, you know, I don't think kids give a shit if they're playing on a beach in Lawrence town or if they're playing on a beach in Sardinia, they have no concept of it. They actually like, no, they, just came, they don't care. We just spent all this money. Yeah. Like we just came back from <laughs> Portugal and the girls, like they just, they were seven when we went, they're turning eight soon, but like they had no concept of where they were. They had no idea to them. It mm -hmm. could have just been, we were at Lawrence Town beach. They really had no clue. Other than that, we forced them to walk more than usual. I have I have a funny story exactly in this space. So I, Andrew and I, my husband decided that um, uh, we wanted to go. I, I actually wanted to go see a certain musical performance by this Kirtan performer that I really love named Krishna Das. And he was playing a show in Manhattan. And I was like, let's, Andrew, my husband, let's go and like, just do like a long weekend. I've never been in New York city before. I thought this would be like a really cool sort of like anchoring thing to do. I'm like, we'll bring Ruthie and we'll, you know, go see like frozen on Broadway and we'll eat pizza and, you know, we'll walk everywhere and stay in Soho and just like have this like incredible, you know, New York city long weekend. And we get there and like literally from like the second we like touched down, my kid was just like, so so sour and so angry and just like she was just beside herself like I don't know if she, she was getting over being sick or whatever but she was miserable and she let us know it and it just went on for days and I finally was like oh my god I thought I'm like do we break our kid because she was so miserable the whole time um you know I feel like it was just probably really overstimulating for her just like the sights and the sounds and like the pace that we were moving around in and she's just like she just actually seemed so miserable the whole time which was obviously really hard for us too because you're like wow I just spent all this money and did all this planning. And this is like actually horrible. I just kind of would rather be home, but until we're like walking down the street and she sees a playground yeah. and she goes and she plays at this playground for like hours. And she's so happy. It's like somebody like flipped a switch. She went from like just being so miserable to being the happiest kid on the planet because we found a freaking playground. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm glad <laughs> like, yep. this is all you needed, you know? didn't care where the playground was. It could have been literally anywhere. I'm like, but that's, you know, that's what she needed. Yeah. She needed that space and that familiarity and all of that. It was just like such a lesson to us in that moment to be like, for this time being, or, and especially, you know, with like, you know, kids have different personalities and stuff like that too. So given, you know, how th that trip went, we were definitely shifted our perspective to be like, at least for the next little while, you know, any travel that we do does need to be quite child centered yes. as much as I don't love that idea. Yeah, really Mommy wants hard. to travel too, for her own. but you has to like be, they have to be at the center of it, which doesn't mean going to like, you know, a Disney resort every year or something like that, but like the, the, their, their schedule and their, you know, what, what they need does need to kind of come first, or you're just going to end up with grumpy kids and exactly. the whole trip will be grumpy. Going, going to places like yeah. Italy is really great because the food is food that they like to eat and then you can bribe them with ice cream oh, yeah. all the time which is great yes. <laughs> but yeah the way that we do it is like we we give and take now where like it's like okay we mm -hmm. can go to a playground we can go swim in the pool like in in Portugal in our Lisbon Airbnb we had a swimming pool in it and uh amazing we were like okay you guys get an hour to swim but then it's mommy and daddy hour like then you get to do what we want to do for an hour and that might mean walking for an hour and you're just gonna have to suck it up and do it mm -hmm. and of course they 
obviously did not suck it up, but they did do it. <laughs> but yeah, your planning becomes much more, much more like, okay, it's not just about us anymore. The, this travel, it's really like, there's these two other people in our, in our family and their needs are very different than ours are. So we have to find playgrounds. We have to find childlike things to do. And or we have to make the museums yeah. really, really fun for them. It's so true. And it was a real eye opener for me because I was absolutely that asshole who before having kids was like, oh, like turn my nose up at like all inclusive resorts and turn my nose up at like, you know, and, and those are obviously, you know, they, there's absolutely a time and a place for those. I've no not a shred of judgment anymore on wanting to go somewhere where you can actually relax and have your kids be entertained. Um, but yeah, like there's, I, I went from very much being that like, you know, off the beaten path, culture seeker type traveler to being like, oh, okay, this is absolutely not about my like adventure in like fully anymore. It has to be about like comfort and routine and accommodation. And also, you know, hopefully some adventure in there too. So, uh, yeah, anyway, it's been a journey, but, uh, but I love that suggestion about Italy too. I've been to Italy twice. Um, and obviously it's incredible. Um, had, had amazing experiences both times I was there. And that's like, I would say probably at the top of my husband and I's bucket list is like a, as a family yeah. trip. So I might hit you up DD for some recommendations. Definitely. When we took the girls, they were three. So they're a little bit, yeah, they were younger than yeah. your kids, but it was like, they had a blast and mostly because we just, anytime they asked for ice cream, we were like, yeah, sure. No problem. And so they had ice cream sometimes three times a day. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's just one of those things, right? Where I, we're just like, no, this is how we're going to get through the days. And that's fine. And yeah, like, it's really about, yes. it's, yeah, like you just have to. And we also, when we were in Italy, we, we rented a villa in the middle of kind of nowhere and everything. So that was our home mm -hmm. base. And I kind of just knew that we would need to have a home base to come back to and the kids could just run around and do whatever yep. they want, whatever they need in that moment. And otherwise we can take like road trips or day trips to all these other different villages, but we just really needed that space mm -hmm. for them to feel like there was a bit of a structure and a routine. And that, yeah. that helped yeah. so much. Dee, do you want to do the rapid fire round? Um, I don't have the questions in front of me, but I think I can potentially remember them. Okay, I'll jump in if needed. Okay. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Shoot, now I can't remember them. How do you start your day? <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you start your day? <laughs> Oh, I start my day. Uh, honestly, well, I say I'm an early bird, but in the context of my house, I'm usually one, the, the, I'm the second parent awake. So usually, honestly, uh, during the week up, um, cleaned up and like make lunches and get the kids out the door. That's my fairly boring um, <laughs> morning ritual yeah. right now. Hot or cold places to travel to? I tend to go a bit more towards the cooler climates, I would say, but I feel like that's historically been my travel. I'm ready for some warmer adventures, I think. Am I missing one, Krista? TV show recommendation. Oh yeah, TV show recommendation. Oh my gosh, I'm really bad for this. I, what TV shows do I really like? This is going to be rapid fire for me because I'm going to have to comb through my brain. I don't know. I like like I like like clever, goofy comedy stuff. What's the last? Uh, I mean, like Ted Lasso. Yeah. I you can't 
Ted Lasso. That's probably the last. But I love like Modern Family and like mm. The Good Place and all of those sort of like silly yeah. comedies. That's how I like to turn my brain off. <laughs> awesome. And then I feel most alive when? When I'm outside in nature. And that's, mm. that's just always 100% of the, of the time is the medicine for me. I'm going to add one in. Favorite made local flavor. Oh, okay. I rapid fire would say off the top of my head, peanut butter brownie. That is my yes, current that's obsession. Mine too. <laughs> yeah. I'm a chocolate, a big time like chocolate person. So I'm always going to lean chocolate, but yeah, that's, that's the yeah. one. I will add yes. in my favorite one is the mint chocolate. That oh, would be second place. Chocolate person. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I, it depends for me. I oscillate between the two, but that would be in the top two for me as well. And nice. I, I did just have a holiday flavor that I picked up from Sobeys. I can't remember the oh, name yeah. of it, but it was really good. It was a chocolatey one too, for sure. We call we called mm-hmm. it festive fudge chip, which is a very silly name, but we're there having we fun go. with it. Perfect. <laughs> oh, I like that name. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Finish this sentence. Adventure is important to me because. Because life is short and the world is big and that's, I don't know. We just gotta, we gotta soak it up. I love that answer. Sweet. Thank you, Sheena. Thanks girls. This is fun. Yeah. That was was nice to see you again. Thanks for thinking of me and thanks for inviting me on here. This is really fun. Oh, I love hearing your story and your background. Well, have a good day guys. Yes. Thanks so much, ladies. See you. Thanks for being here with us today. Just so you know, subscribing to our podcast is like joining us on a journey, ensuring that you never miss a story. It's free and it's easy to do. So do it now. Keep exploring, keep creating, and most importantly, keep believing in the power of adventure. Bye. Bye.